text is this morning, Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 to 8, looking at how uh, God is sowing seed. So please turn there in your Bibles and stand with me. Don't stand with me. I'm not standing. Stand. (laughs) Matthew 13, verses 3 to 8. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. But some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Thank you. you. may be seated. So we're talking about farming today and planting seeds and so on. Well, I heard about a city slicker from New York City. He decided to move to the country and become a chicken farmer. So he bought some farmland and went to the local feed store to buy chicks. He walks up to the counter and says, I'm serious about being a chicken farmer. I'll take 100 chicks. Well, a week later, the city slicker returns to the feed store and says, I'll take 100 more chicks. To which the cashier says, you really are serious about being a chicken farmer. The city slicker says, yes, I am, but I need to work out a few problems first. The cashier asks, what kind of problems? The city slicker says, I lost that whole batch of chicks I bought last week. I think I planted them too close together. (laughs) Let's look this morning at sowing seeds. First of all, I want us to see that God is sowing seeds through his disciples. God is sowing seed through his disciples. If you look in verse 19 that I, below where I read, it says that the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Now, God desires good fruit, so he must use good seed, and the word of God is good seed. God's word absolutely is good seed. Why? Because it is true. It is right. It is reliable. It is applicable to all areas of life. And God's word contains the gospel. Now, the gospel from 1 Corinthians 15, the first four verses, says Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. He was buried for our sins, and the third day he rose again from the dead. Know this, there is nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the Word of God. In fact, look what the Word of God says about itself in 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Again, there's nothing wrong with the seed. It is good for indoctrination. It is good for conviction. It is good for correction. It is good for instruction. And the Word of God is being abundantly sown around the world, even now. The Word of God is being abundantly sown around the world through TV, through radio, through literature, through churches like ours, and through individual believers. God is sowing through us. And so whether you want to talk about the technology, the TV and radio and all that, the Internet, or whether you want to talk about personally, God is having his seen, his word of God, sown around the world. Through us, our verbal and lifestyle witness, and financially through mission support. I told you all last week when the missionaries were here, somebody along the way taught you all how to be generous towards missions. And you are extremely, extremely generous, and I don't want you to stop. Keep giving. This is how God is sowing his seed, the word of God, around the world. Not only through us personally, but also through our missionaries. And so God is sowing seed through his disciples. But secondly, we see from that story that not all the seed produces fruit. Just like actual farming, no different here. Ask anybody that's a farmer and they will say, you know what? Every seed I plant does not come up. 
And the same is true when we sow the word of God. Not every seed produces fruit. You say, but God's word does not return void. It accomplishes its purpose, right? Remember this verse from Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. So how is it that the word of God goes out and not everybody believes? Well, this verse here, Isaiah 55, does not mean that everyone who hears the word of God will believe. Some will. But unbelievers will be condemned by that very word. So believers receive the word and they're saved. Unbelievers will be condemned by that same word. They can't say they never heard because they heard it and they rejected it. Now in this parable, Jesus identifies some unproductive soils for the word. The first thing he mentions is is the seed that falls on the wayside in verse 4. Now back in that day, farming was done by broadcasting. So you see a picture here. The farmer would take a handful of seed and he'd just throw it into the field. But as he did so... So the sower, as he walked down the paths that separated the fields, uh, they were stony. They were packed dirt. And so sometimes the soil didn't land in the dirt where he wanted it to. It would land on the pathway, the the wayside, as Jesus calls it in verse 4. Now, if you look down to verse 19, we find out what's wrong with this seed. The seed is eaten by birds, and Jesus defines for us who those birds are. It's none other than Satan himself. These are people who hear the word but they don't receive it. They visit church, but they never value the message. They hear your witness, but they never heed it. We all know people like this. Whether they're in our family or their friends, sometimes we've shared with them till we're blue in the face and they just don't get it. They just don't appreciate it. They just don't believe it. These are people who hear, but they can't believe. They can't understand. Look here down in verses 13 through 15. Jesus said, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which said, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and not perceive. And so they don't believe. Indeed, Jesus says they can't believe, they can't understand. God knows not everybody's going to be saved. He knows that already. And God actually allows Satan to deceive the lost. Look here, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. And I want to point out something from the second line of what I've got up there, where it says God of this world, God is a lowercase g, and it's supposed to be. Because this is not talking about God Almighty. This is talking about Satan. He's called the God of this world. So let me read. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so God allows Satan to deceive the lost and do not receiving the word. But when you think about it, these have been fooled by the greatest fool there's ever been, Satan himself. And so Jesus mentions, here's an unproductive soil, the soil on the wayside. Then he mentions another one, the rocky area in verse 5. Now often there were rocks near the surface with a thin layer of soil that covered them. The seeds would sprout into the shallow ground when the soil covering got wet, and then the shallow ground quickly dried up after the rain and the plants would wither. These are people that get religion, but no relationship. These are people that get involved, but they don't get intimate with God. 
Look down in verse 20. They're glad at first. They're excited. But they're just fair weather friends. They have no foundation. They don't have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. They've got religion. They've got church. But they don't have God himself. And when being a Christian costs, they abandon Christianity altogether. They were never saved. They were just socializing. There's a lot of people like that. They never got saved, but they liked the people at church. Uh, they liked maybe the business contacts they made at church. Uh, they got like the help that they got at church. They were never saved. They were just socializing. You know people like this. And you've known people like this. Maybe you invited them to church. Maybe you met them here at church. And they were all excited. Maybe they invited you to come to church. And then they fall off the end of the earth, it seems like. Jesus said, those are those seeds that fall on the rocky ground. But let me ask you this. How can you believe for a while if you're once saved, always saved? Now, we believe that once somebody's truly saved, they're saved for eternity. So how is it somebody like this, the rocky soil, they can believe for a little while and then not believe after that? It's because some people believe in their head and they never believe in their heart. They have faith in God not a personal faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe they're deists. They believe there's the big man upstairs, they call him, the big man upstairs. Or they have a general faith in someone out there versus a specific faith in the person of Jesus Christ. A couple weeks ago, one of the Buffalo Bills players was injured on the field. He had a heart, whatever, heart attack, something happened. His name was, uh, I've got it here, but I can't read it. Dennis Hamlin, did I get that right? Or DeMar, DeMar Hamlin. And everybody was all excited because on ESPN, the broadcaster stopped what he was doing and he prayed on air for DeMar Hamlin. Well, we got into a little internal discussion here and somebody said, well, I wonder, that guy prayed on air. I wonder if he's going to be reprimanded. I wonder if he's going to be removed. And I said, he's safe. You know why? He didn't pray in Jesus' name. Now, I'm not criticizing him. I'm glad he prayed. That's a good thing. But he did not pray in Jesus' name. Everybody's fine if you want to pray to God, if you want to pray to Allah. It doesn't matter. Everybody's fine with that. You mentioned Jesus Christ. Now, them are fighting words for some people. And so these people on rocky grounds, they have a general faith in somebody, something up there. Yeah, there's a God, whatever. But they don't have specific faith in the person of Jesus Christ. You say, well, at least they believe. Well, guess what? The Bible says even the demons believe. Look at James chapter 2 and 19. The devils also believe and tremble. You see, when it comes to saving faith, saving faith is a gift from God. Ephesians 2.8, you hear this a lot from me because it's my favorite verse in the Bible. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. And let me tell you about this saving faith. Number one, it's personal. Each person must receive Jesus Christ personally. I've heard it said God has no grandchildren. Just because you're saved doesn't mean your kids are going to be saved or your grandkids or your great-grandkids. God doesn't have grandchildren. He has children. And you become a child of God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Saving faith is personal. Secondly, it is permanent. When you have saving faith, it's forever. And thirdly, saving faith is precious. And what I mean by that is even if you could... Turn away from your faith? You wouldn't because it's so precious to you. So Jesus identifies these 
soils. But he's got one more. In verse 7, he says there's a thorny soil too. Oops, I'm going too far ahead. He said there's a thorny soil. These are people who want God and worldliness, according to verse 22. They ride the fence. They put one foot in the faith and the other foot in the world. But the Bible says this, commitment to God means you forsake the world. And that's what I was starting to show you here in James 4.4. 4. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You can't keep one foot in the faith and one foot in the world. That's the thorny soil. Anything else becomes more important than God. Jesus mentions in verse 22 the cares of this world and worries. He mentions money. Now, not making a living. We all got to make a living, but maybe making a killing. He mentions the pleasures of life get in the way. Like positive desires such as family, home, relaxation, sports. Nothing wrong with these things until they get in the way of your relationship with God. Then there's negative lust as well. Sins that people are unwilling to bring to God, whether it's habits or prejudices. These people on the thorny soil, they are interested in God when it's convenient for them. We've all known people like this too. You may have somebody in your life right now that fits this description. Anything else is more important than God. If they can't find anything else better to do, yeah, maybe they'll talk to God. Maybe they'll read their Bible. Maybe they'll pray. Maybe they'll come to church. But if anything else comes up, oh well, God can wait. And so God is sowing his seed through his disciples and not all that seed lands on good ground. But the good news is that some of the seed produces fruit. If you look in verse 8, Jesus is clear. Some of the seed produces fruit. Some of the seed falls on good ground and produces fruit. Now, back then, farmers expected a 7 to 10 time uh, return or yield. So every seed they expected would produce 7 pieces of fruit, maybe 10 pieces of fruit. But Jesus here suggests a wildly unexpected return. He said it might be 30 times, might be 60 times, might be 100 times. The bottom line is genuine believers will bear fruit. What fruit will genuine believers bear? Well, first of all, the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Genuine believers are going to bear the fruit of the Spirit, but they're also going to bear the fruit of praise. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Let us offer God the praise of our lips, which is the fruit of our lips. Genuine believers are going to offer the fruit of praise. But I want to tell you the ultimate fruit from a believer is when that believer shares his faith with somebody else. When that believer begins to sow the seed. So the seed was sown in that believer and when a believer turns around and starts sowing that seed in other people, that's the ultimate fruit. We know that God's word is often sown in unproductive soil. But you and I are not to evaluate the soil ahead of time. We don't look at somebody and say, eh, I don't know, they don't look like... They don't look like they would believe. They don't look like they would be interested. We don't evaluate the soil ahead of time. We just know that as we sow the seed, it's not all going to produce fruit. And we're not to become discouraged. You know what we do? We keep on sowing. We keep on sharing. Because some of that seed, some of that word is going to fall on productive ground. And so we keep to share. Now, the yield varies according to God's purposes. If you look down in verse 23, it says there in verse 23, 
But he that received the seed into the good ground is he that hears the word and understands it, which also bears fruit and brings forth some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. If somebody has more fruit in their life, that doesn't necessarily mean they're closer to God. And if somebody has less fruit in their life, that doesn't necessarily indicate there's a problem with that person. The point is that God expects each genuine believer to produce fruit. Each genuine believer is to produce fruit. In fact, here's a little bit of math for you. Good seed and good soil produces good fruit. If you got good seed, you got the word of God, we know it's good. And you got good soil, you're going to get good fruit. And here's the exciting part. Where there is fruit, there will be a harvest. I don't know of any farmer that just grows a whole field full of corn or potatoes or whatever they do and then just leaves it and just plows it under. I don't know of any farmer that does that. The farmer raises the stuff and then he comes by and he harvests it, right? Well, where there is fruit, there will be a harvest. Jesus will come back to harvest his fruit bearers. We call that the rapture. It's found here in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Who's Jesus coming back to get? Those who produce fruit. Those who are genuine believers. What happens to everybody else? Everybody else will be discarded into a fiery hell. Jesus talks about that elsewhere in Matthew. Look at Matthew 7, 19. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Everybody else is going to be cast into the fire. Well, who are those people? Well, the seed that fell by the wayside. They hear, but they don't receive. The seed that fell on the rocks, the short-lived, they get excited and then they forget about it. Or the seed that fell on the thorns. They want God and they want the world. All of these will be cast into an eternal fire. And so from this story, we see that God is sowing his seed around the world. He's sowing it through believers. Not only through technology, but personally through us. And we see too that not all the seed produces fruit. But some of the seed does produce fruit. And genuine believers will produce fruit. Why? Because good seed and good soil results in good fruit. So we've determined this morning that the seed is good. And it's not only been sown today by me and through the musicians, it's been sown since 1966 in this church. And so the seed is good and it's been sown. What I want to know is what kind of soil are you? What kind of soil is your heart? Is it rocky? Is it thorny? What kind of soil are you? Are you the soil by the wayside? Or are you good soil? Good soil that receives the truth of the word of God. Good soil that we receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, believing that he died on the cross to pay for your sins, that he was buried for your sins, and the third day he rose again from the dead. What kind of soil? Are you? You can leave here today, regardless of how you came in. You can leave here today as good soil, receiving the Word of God, receiving the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Don't be like the soil on the wayside. Don't be like the soil that's a rock. Don't be like the soil of the thorns. You might say, well, Brother Gary, I want to produce fruit, but you know what? I don't just walk up to strangers and start preaching at them. Well, that's not the only way to share. Some people, that's their thing. Other people have a different way. Some people do it through prayer. Some people do it through giving to missions. Some people do it quietly, just loving people. Nobody's telling you how to share. Nobody's telling you how to produce the fruit. All I'm telling you is that genuine believers produce fruit. So I ask again, what kind of soil are you? May you be a good soil that receives the very word of God. And that begins by receiving his son, Jesus Christ, who died for you, was buried for you, and rose again from the dead for you. And if you receive him, you believe him, you'll be saved, you'll be forgiven, you'll be granted eternal life. And remember, saving faith is personal, it's permanent, and it's precious. Precious. If you've never had personal faith in God through Jesus Christ, you don't know what you're missing. But once you've experienced it, you'll agree with me. Wow, this is precious. Like nothing I've ever experienced before. Like nothing I've ever known before. Knowing God personally through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. We thank You for this story. It's farming, it's planting seeds. We get that. We understand that. Thank you for teaching us through it still. If there's anybody here who's maybe that thorny soil, that rocky soil, that soil by the wayside, cause their hearts to become good soil today, to receive your word and to receive your son, Jesus Christ. And for the rest of us whose hearts are good soil, they're not good soil because we made them good. They're good soil because you made them good by your grace. Lord, I just want to thank you for the good soil of my heart. And the good soil of the other hearts here in this room that have received you. But may we be faithful to bear fruit, to share with others. And if there are those in this room right here, right now, who have not yet received Christ as Savior, give them grace and faith to believe right here, right now. And we thank you in Jesus' name.